Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Atlanta Braves for the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And happy 4th of July, everybody. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't sound super excited about it. I'm not there yet. It, it's midnight after the Guardians game. I, I decided to record before going to sleep, and uh, maybe in the morning my enthusiasm will be there, but... Uh, my neighbor was sure enthusiastic as he fired off fireworks until 10.15, uh, 10.30-ish. Somehow, the baby slept through it. I, he's not a baby anymore. He's a kid. Uh, the kid slept through it. I, I Honest to God, I think, I think this kid can sleep through anything. Um, and then the squite, slightest squeak of the floor will wake him up. So uh, I hope you're out there. I hope you're having a fun 4th of July. Uh, I do want to give credit. I noticed that some of you did go back and listen to that Friday episode uh, from the Cubs series that we got, you know, shellacked, uh, giving up double-digit runs there. Uh, you did. You went. Some of you went back. Not everybody. Still not one of the top listen-to episodes. But some of you did go back and pick it up and listen to it. So I give you credit. I give you credit for going back, even on a hard loss like that, and uh, going through it with me. So uh, let's get into this one. Speaking of losses, uh, you know, Atlanta comes in. They take the first game of the series. I don't think many fans are shocked because Atlanta is the best team in baseball. And, yeah, I wish I had a more creative storyline for you because this was basically the storyline from our TV broadcast team. When they started the game, it, it was, ooh, big bad Atlanta, here they come. Oh, they hit all these home runs, look out, score all these runs. But that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it played out exactly that way. They hit three solo home runs, manufacture another one, and uh, take the game 4-2. to two. The Guardians offense has plenty of opportunities to get one of those patenting Guardian rally, Guardians rallies going. And uh, nothing manifests itself until the seventh inning. I mean, literally, they had runners on base in seven out of nine innings. They they had their opportunities tonight. They could have maybe gone to their bench and pinch hit late in this game and uh, see if they could have stirred something up. But instead, instead, the home runs prevail. And I told you this was going to be an experiment. This was going to be an experiment between the Guardian style and... Uh, the rest of baseball, but the the best at it, the home run hitters. And, you know, phase one of the experiment, the home run hitters win. Still got two games to prove that we can beat them, you know, playing our way. Or maybe we have to play their way. Who knows? Maybe we'll go off for a couple home runs over the next two days. Uh, But they proved the home run way works in game one. And, you know, I wouldn't be bringing this up if the Guardians just weren't the worst in baseball in some of these statistical categories. Atlanta, coming into the game, I don't think Fangraphs is updated yet. We could do this math on our head. They had 158 home runs coming into the game. 158 plus 3, 161 now. Atlanta, I'm assuming Tampa Bay didn't hit 30-some home runs tonight. That's how far ahead Atlanta is when it comes to home runs. So, 161 for Atlanta and 55 for your Cleveland Guardians. Over 100 more home runs. 
108 to be specific, more home runs. No, oh yeah, 108. More home runs than your Cleveland Guardians. If it wasn't, I mean, Washington is second to last at 68. They've had 13 more home runs than us, plus whatever they did tonight. If it wasn't so drastic, ISO, isolated power, right? The ISO stat. Uh, It's made to look like a batting average. It just takes into account extra base hits. It strips away everything else but extra base hits. Atlanta, number one in baseball at 225. If you're over 200 ISO, you are a powerhouse. The Guardians are last in baseball at 125. So we're not even getting the extra base hits. But you're telling me, you know, Davey, this way of playing baseball, you know, it's in a, you know, the guard, the Guardians' way is effective, right? They can get on base, they can rally, they can score runs that way. Well, Atlanta is third in all of baseball with 470 runs scored. Add in four more tonight, 474. The Guardians are 27th in baseball. They were at 336. I guess they're now up to 338. So they've scored, what is that, 130-plus more runs than us? So that's why it's a storyline. That's why it's a storyline here. Uh, the numbers are so drastic that when you match these two teams up, what's going to happen? You know, does the good hitting beat the good pitching, or does the good pitching prevail over the good hitting? Well, here the good hitting took it to our rookie pitcher, Gavin Williams pitched fine. He pitched really fine and a really hard matchup. Goes six innings in a third, seven hits, four earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, three home runs allowed, a 91 pitches. He is hard hit a ton. He gives up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hard hit balls, 95 plus mile per hour exit velocity. Now, normally, I would say that. You know, three home runs as solo home runs, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Though I don't believe any of the walks cost him. Obviously, they're all solo home runs, so none of the walks come in to score uh, that way. And I believe uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., who uh, who scores the other run, I believe he reaches base uh, via a base hit. So, uh, yeah, he singled, stole second base, and then Ozzie Albee singled him in. So, none of the walks actually hurt Gavin Williams. Uh, So, you know, normally, the three solo home runs, it's actually workable. That's a workable situation here. A four, you know, was four nothing at one point. We're not out of it. And we proved that. We rally in the seventh inning for two runs. It's a really nice rally, started by Miles Straw with an infield single. After Bo Naylor flies out, a two-out double by Stephen Kwan has got them set up with at least a chance. A lot of these chances came with two outs, which did put some extra stress on the situation. But Ahmed Rosario delivers. He pulls a single through the left side, gets it past the shortstop Arcia, and uh, at 105.4 mile per hour shot through the left side, and it scores both runners. So you did it. You did it in the seventh inning. And then in the eighth inning, you have another chance. Andres Jimenez with a one-out double. He's he's there in scoring position. Would have been a home run in 18 out of 30 ballparks, by the way. Uh, Josh Bell with line out. The middle of this lineup just could not. And then Will Brennan draws a walk. Okay. 
I like Brennan, you know, up in that situation. One of your hotter hitters. He draws a walk. Now you've got the tying run on base. And who comes up to bat but Miles Straw. And Francona proves once again he just will not go to his bench. He won't. He won't use a pinch hitter even in this situation. This is the perfect situation for this. I know Straw had two hits. And if you look at a guy like Straw, who, uh, let's see, what was it, what's his batting average here? Uh, a 243 hitter with a 619 OPS. 243 hitter means, yes, he has gotten some hits. But the fact that he's already had two hits on the game probably tells me he's a little tap for hits. He's not someone I trust. He's not someone I heat check in the eighth inning of a game to see if he's just having one of those days where the, the you know things are dropping, things are working out for him, the bat-bip gods are in his favor. I'm sorry, Straw has not earned that respect. What does he do? He does what we all expect him to do. He grounds out. God, he hits into a lot of ground outs. He had Fry on the bench. He had Freeman on the bench. I, you're, obviously, we're not going to Cam Gallagher in this situation, but uh, Arias had already come in the game because Naylor had to leave because of wrist uh, soreness uh, in that lead arm on a swing. He's been dealing with it for, for weeks now. I, who knows what's going on with that wrist? Uh, it's clearly, clearly causing him a lot of pain, though. So Arias was already in the game, not available to pinch hit. I still don't know. I, Fry might still be your best option. I mean, Arias is hitting 188 with a 610 OPS. Arias is struggling right now. Uh, Fry was probably your best bet to pinch hit here. And instead, Straw grows, grounds out with, frankly, the game on the line. They bring in their closer. They shut us down 1-2-3 in the ninth inning. Uh, you know, Quan and Rosario had another chance at it. Uh, I mean, Rosario grounds out at 105.2. The guy hit a ton of hard-hit balls. He had four hit hard, four hard-hit balls on the day, uh, but only two hits to show from it. Uh, so, and Quan was three for five on the day. Quan was having a great day with a double and a run scored. Uh, he, you know, we joked uh, with Andres Jimenez, who got to hit in the leadoff spot yesterday, uh, how good he was at that. And would that affect Quan? Well, he comes right back and goes three for five himself. So I think Quan was out to prove that no, 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 no. Uh, the leadoff spot's still my spot. I, I'm still very effective here from the leadoff spot. So it's a poor decision to let Straub bat there in the eighth inning. That that was the chance. I mean, a hit there, uh, it really changes the fabric of this game. In fact, I wonder... After Brennan's walk, well, all right. So after Jimenez's double, uh, the win probability line, it only drops to an 82%. That's how confident, well, statistically probably, that's where Atlanta was set up to win. But Jimenez's double and Brennan's walk at least make a dent in it. Uh, and after the straw ground out, it's, it's pretty much a guaranteed thing that Atlanta was walking away with that win. So uh, that's what was going on offensively uh, for your Guardians. Um, it's I'm I, I am disappointed. I, I I here's the thing. I'm conflicted because rational me knows that Atlanta is a great team. Knows that Atlanta's probably gonna you know probably very well is gonna sweep this series over us. They're the better team, but the hometown fan, the Guardians fan in me goes, you know, we we were in this one. 
We, we, you replay this back, you know, a hundred times. And maybe we pull out 25 of them, you know, 25% of the time where we can come away with this victory. We can figure out a way to make these rallies work, right? If you run these, if this was a simulation and we were running it over and over again, um, I know that's kind of a weird abstract thought, but hey, it's after midnight, so lay off. Um, but yeah, this one doesn't work out in our favor. The rallies don't manifest. The big hits aren't there. Straw doesn't get pinch hit for. And uh, the middle of the lineup, too. I mean, Ramirez goes 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, Naylor and Arias combined go 0 for with a walk. Jimenez does have the double, but it's, you know, with nobody on base, so... Can't drive anyone in. Good swing again. Same swing when he put one over Bellinger's head in center field. This time he's putting one over uh, Michael Harris's head in center field. Uh, and then uh, Josh Bell goes 0 for 4. He did have three hard hit balls, but sorry, 0 for 4. Brennan goes 0 for 3 with a walk. So, I mean, 3 through 7 in your lineup aren't doing anything except walking. And, all right, one double. But uh, they're not doing anything to drive in any runs. So, uh even though guys were getting on base, right? Straw and Quan and Rosario were getting on base. If you don't have those guys to drive them in. And, they, and those guys had their chances. They had plenty of chances with runners on base. Uh, if they're not delivering, this offense ain't going to go anywhere. You're not going to get that Guardians way up and running. All right, let's talk a little bit of pitching. Like I said, uh, Gavin Williams does give up the three home runs. What were the matchups? How did they get him for those three home runs? Two are by Michael Harris, Who's having a who's having a down year compared to his rookie season? I wouldn't quite call it a sophomore slump, but you know numbers are down a little bit. But he has been red hot lately. If you look at his you know last seven, last fifteen, last thirty games, uh, it's pretty red hot. Over three hundred batting average. The OPS has now climbed up. The last seven games was over eight hundred. So Harris is going through a good stretch here. And uh, first at bat. Uh, Gets a fastball for a called strike, frankly, right down the middle. Throws him another fastball at the knees. A middle down doesn't get the call. In fact, there's a point where Francona has to go out and talk to the umpires because he's not getting calls. Gavin Williams got hosed on some pitches that were all over the black parts of the plate, right? The edges of the plate. And he didn't get the call. Or for here, the knees. Um, so it's a one-one count. He goes for a changeup here and just leaves it sitting right in the middle of the plate. Uh, Harris unloads on this thing, 106.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 25 degree launch angle, 424 would have been a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks. Uh, just you know, while I'm here, uh, Marcel Arzunias would have been 24 out of 30 ballparks. Harris's second was 29 out of 30 ballparks. So most of these are no doubt about it home runs. Speaking of Azunia, Azunas, so in his first at-bat against Azuna, uh, starts him off with the first pitch slider and does get a called strike on the outside edge. In his third at-bat, does start him off with a, a first pitch slider and gets a swinging strike down at the knees. But in his second at-bat, starts him off with a first-pitch fastball. Middle of the plate, down a little bit at the thighs, but still dead middle of the plate. And Ozuna turns on it, hits at 102.3 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 33-degree launch angle, 375 out to right field. Probably should have started him with a slider there. Uh, You know, when a guy jumps on the first pitch like that, I get you're trying to throw strike one. And that's, you know, what they teach, but... Middle 
I mean, that's that's perfect. Uh, that's a perfect pitch to hit for Marcelo Zuna. I mean, that it's it's up at the thighs. It's right down the middle of the plate. Uh, you're probably you gotta hit the edges a little more, especially if you're trying to establish that strike one. And then Harris comes up again. And uh, I actually don't hate the pitch sequencing here. Harris was super aggressive against him. Uh, throws him an outside fastball, middle away, and he fouls it off. Comes back at the top of the zone, middle top of the zone. I mean, right at the top of the zone with a fastball, and he fouls that off. Goes for a slider uh, down and in, and the lefty Harris fouls that off. So he is clearly in swing mode. And then he tries to go back high with a fastball. I'm fine with this combo. High fastball, low slider, back up to a high fastball. It's just the pitch velocity for some reason at this point in the game, maybe he's tiring a little bit, is down. These fastballs are only 93.5, yeah, basically they were all 93. Uh, and this is a guy who maxed out on the day with his fastball at 97.5. So the fastballs are slowing down a little bit, and... Uh, he doesn't get out of the strike zone enough, let's just say. He leaves it right at the top of the strike zone. Frankly, on you know an 0-2 count, when a guy's fouled off three in a row, I'm really throwing this thing off the plate or high or low and seeing if they'll chase. He catches too much of the strike zone with it, and Harris makes him pay. A line drive to left field, like I said, 29 out of 30 ballparks, 101.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 26 degree launch angle. So those were the home runs. You know, this this prolific home run hitting team, that's what they did against Gavin Williams. Uh, you know, I'm surprised his uh, his changeup, uh, he doesn't throw very often. Uh, in fact, looking at his StatCast page, it's probably isn't been updated. He's only thrown them 13 times, uh, and it's all been the lefties. But it has been an effective pitch. This is the first one that's gotten hit and had a zero batting average uh, up until this point. So uh, it had a 33.3% whiff rate. So it's been an effective pitch. He just doesn't really pull it out of his pocket and never use it that much. Again, except against the lefty. Uh, the righties get all sliders. One lefty has seen a slider. All sli- all sliders to righties. Um, mostly curveballs to lefties, but then will throw in the occasional changeup. So he pays for a changeup here. And, uh, yeah, I think we can all see how that pitch location there was going to lead to a home run. On the other side of things, we were facing Bryce Elder. Uh, you know, I looked him up. He was a kind of a middle-tier prospect for them in 2021. He's been pitching two seasons for Atlanta now. The, slot, the scouting report on him was the guy just had a great slider. And that's what he threw the most on the day, 37 times. Frankly, the Guardians didn't do terrible against him. Uh, he goes six and two thirds, gives up seven hits, but only two runs, two walks, only one strikeout on 92 pitches. We were making contact. He's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Like the Guardians offense didn't really do that bad against him. Going to his player breakdown page, I mean, it's a six whiff, six whiffs. That's it. It's a 14% whiff rate. At an 11 called strikes, the guy's only at an 18% CSW. So in no way did Bryce Elder dominate. Maybe the Bat-Bip gods were smiling in his favor. I know Eddie Rosario made a ton of sliding catches in left field, took away some hits. I know Josh Bell felt like he probably should have gotten a hit on one of his line drives to left field. You could see him shaking his head as he gets to first base. 
look, I, I know I joke about my old man softball league a lot, and but that feeling is kind of universal. We all know that feeling where it's like the best shot off the bat you had all day. And it's like right, yeah, right to one of their outfielders. You're like, come on, man. Come on. That thing felt so pure, so good off the bat. Uh, it's yeah. Baseball is one of those sports. I'm trying to think of another comp. I guess maybe in golf, like you could just really hit one square off the tee on like a par three and completely overshoot the green. And you're like, Oh shoot. Like I, I really blasted that one. Like I felt so good in the hands, but the wrong hole to hit that on. Uh, may, maybe comparable. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else I can think in basketball or, uh, basketball or football like that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe basketball, if you just, you feel like you have the perfect release, the perfect, uh, rotation on the ball, and maybe it just hits the back of the rim and bounces back. Uh, you get that same feeling of like, man, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to make this work? Cause that felt really good coming out of the hand. Um, so yeah, so I'm sure I could keep going on this if I really try, but uh, Elder it does this job. He does the job. He limits damage, limits rallies. A lot of these hits come with two outs, and uh, he walks away uh, with the W. So and their bullpen does a very good job of shutting things down. Uh, both bullpens actually. I mean, Xavier Curry does. I mean, what work? And Francona, if we weren't gonna get back into that game, Francona wasn't going back to the bullpen. That's what. Curry's here to do. I'm, you know, I'm kind of shocked in in a four to two game. You'd you'd think there'd be a little more stress, a little more high leverage, but no. Francona says Curry's pitching great. Curry head back on out. You got two and two thirds innings pitched. Doesn't give up a hit. Retires everybody he faces. No no hits. No walks. Two strikeouts on 33 pitches. He's hard hit three times. It's really an impressive outing because uh, you know they probably didn't feel super comfortable with a 4-2 lead. It's not like Atlanta took their foot off the gas. Uh, Curry just did really good. And a shout-out to one fantastic curveball to strike out Marcelo Zuna. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's give Curry some credit here. Let's go to the at-bat because, I mean, it really was. It's an eight-pitch at-bat, and, man, he battles here. We got a slider at the top of the zone. He miss, doesn't get the call on it. it. Statcast is showing it's in the strike zone. I don't know where in real life it was. Uh, goes for a four-seam fastball away that he follows off. Now he's in swing mode. My God, he follows off the next uh, six pitches in a row here. Curveball inside fouled off. Slider up at the top of the zone fouled off. Another slider up out of the zone that he fouls off. Four-seam fastball at the top of the zone. Changing speeds on him. Fouls it off. Four-seam fastball down and in. Uh, catches a lot of the plate, frankly. And he fouls it off before finally slowing it down to the curveball and getting him to swing over top of it. Uh, it's a curveball right down the middle of the plate. It's it's weird to say a challenge curveball, but that's what it was. After fouling off two fastballs in a row at 93 miles per hour, uh, it slows it down to 75 and gets uh, Ozuna to swing through it. Was it his slowest curveball on the day? Let's take a look here. Uh, he threw nine of them. I said the pitch velocity was 75. No, the lowest he got was 74.8. So close to. Uh, he averages 75.4 on that curveball. So not a huge variation. But he did really loop that thing. And after two fastballs, Ozuna can't touch it. 
So a good job by Xavion Curry there. All right. Uh, wrapping this game up for me here. MVP on the day. I think I got to go with uh, Ahmed Rosario. I mean, he does come up with the only RBI hit of the entire day. So uh, I know we get frustrated by Ahmed Rosario sometimes. He also made a good defensive play. I remember there was a good backhand and fired a strong throw across the first. Uh, four hard hit balls on the day. He was trying. Ahmed Rosario was trying. So taking home and on the loss, MVP on the day. I know I forgot it yesterday. I Sometimes I just get carried away with what I'm saying uh, and I kind of lose it. Uh, we got an email from Jeff uh, with a G, uh, Jeff in Columbus. And uh, he was checking in. He checked in before the game even started. He was hoping to take two out of three. We got our work. We got our work cut out for us, Jeff, if we're going to do that. Um, he said, just curious, but have you noticed the various colors that Jose wears with his cleats, arm sleeve, batting gloves, back grip, etc.? These items are often coordinated somewhat and change from lime green, blue, red, to even hot pink. Various other colors. In fact, I saw on Saturday Night in Chicago, he had a maroon type color. Cleats, batting gloves, and arm sleeve. Uh, any insight into these color schemes? Do they have any meaning? Is he superstitious or does he just like to have fun and wear different colored baseball accoutrements? And I, kudos to you, Jeff, for sliding the word accoutrements into your email. Uh, I haven't heard anything. I, I did a bunch of Google searches. I tried everything I could, uh, try to find an article about this, a comment about this. I couldn't find anything. And frankly, you're asking the wrong person. Uh, Andre not is the guy you got to hit up. Uh, he's got the most access to Jose. Uh, if you want an answer on this, it's probably just for fun, right? It doesn't seem to be a charity thing or anything like that. You know, sometimes guys will do that with their cleats or their gear, uh, wear something special. It just seems to be for fun. Uh, he just enjoys doing it, coordinating like that. So, uh, I enjoy it. I, I dig the lime green and the hot pink. And uh, the way he's always got it uh, synced up there. So uh, maybe maybe if we all tweet at Andre Knott, the morning people collectively hit up Andre Knott and see if he's got an answer for us on if there's any meaning or just having fun. Uh, he said, lastly, I will close with a few observations for my latest Clippers game. And this is why I wanted to share Jeff's email with you. Uh, he said, Oscar is raking and Richie, talking about Richie Palacios, just looks like a pro ball player. The game I went to last week against the Mud Hens, Oscar was 3-for-4 with a home run, double off the wall in a single. Now, I know this is AAA, but he appears to have regained some confidence and has a better understanding of plate discipline. I hope he gets another shot with the Guardians soon. Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of people out there that are wondering if, uh, if maybe Arias needs to go back down and Oscar could come up and take that spot. But it does take at-bats away from Brennan in that situation. So that's the tough Although, although Brennan could easily move over to center field and those at-bats could come away from straw. So, you know, I kind of like that plan now. Uh, he says, Brian Rocchio is smooth at shortstop and handling AAA pitching. Fine. I guess I would rather him play every day in Columbus than ride the bench in Cleveland at this point. But he's most likely ready for the next level. Yeah, you're seeing what it's doing to Freeman and Arias right now. And uh, my guess is, Jeff, that... Rokio might get that first. Is he going to get that first shot at being the shortstop next year if, you know, Ahmed Rosario just walks in free agency? I mean, a lot of things can happen between now and then. But uh, maybe they are. Maybe they're having him play shortstop every day 
thinking that he's the shortstop of the future. Arias and Freeman will survive as utility guys, even super utility guys that could play all over the diamond. But Rokio might be the legit heir to shortstop. So it could be. It could be why they're up here riding the bench and he's down there playing shortstop every day. He said, unfortunately, I didn't get to see Karinczak pitch. pitch. However, I was hoping to get to see him throw his curveball and check out his attitude. Uh, Okay, sorry for the long email. Uh, I missed the past few podcasts and wanted to share these observations. Thanks for the podcast, and I look forward to closing out this next week before the All-Star Game with some big wins, hopefully. Well, Jeff, thank you. I appreciate your email, and I appreciate the insight into Columbus. You're down there. You get to see it. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I remember my days at Ohio State. It was fun to go to a Clippers game. It was the old stadium, but we still had a really good time uh, checking out Clippers games. So uh, I'm glad they're still so popular down there in Columbus. Um, and yeah, it's good. It's good insight on some players we don't get to see every day. Uh, so thank you, Jeff in Columbus. Jeff with a G. Uh, Marlon checked in as usual on his game story. He also was frustrated why uh, Tito didn't pinch hit for straw with David Fry. Uh, you know, uh, he was pretty much in line with me here. Uh, he did say Gavin Williams will be special. He made a couple of mistakes of leaving balls over the plate, but I thought he pitched well overall. I appreciate both his and Xavier Curry's effort tonight. Curry did a nice job saving the rest of the bullpen from being used. I hate the young pitchers feel they have to be perfect with an anemic offense. Two rookies holding one of the best offenses in baseball, if not the best, to four runs is very impressive. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It is, and you're right. The offense, that's the other thing. The offense needs to pick up the pitching a little bit, like they could have. They could have picked up this pitching. And the fact that Williams and Curry were out there battling as well as they did, and the offense can't support them, is frustrating as well. All right. Thank you, Marlon, for the email. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, morning people, for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the uh, Braves 4, the Guards 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning.